0: Welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I am Scarlett.
1: I'm Katie.
0: We're your animates. And today we are taking a trip down memory lane uh, with two year old friends, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, this is a show that uh, both Katie and I uh, really enjoy, that we uh, we grew up with uh, to different extents. Uh, Katie, I think you watched it when you were younger than, than I did. Um, but a few years ago, we also started watching uh, the rebooted series uh, from that uh, we came out on the Amazon uh, in 2018. And I think we both generally enjoyed it. So we thought. Yeah.
1: Sorry, we, we got, got to that. watch that in my apartment. miss thing. it.
0: That was fun. Those are fun, you and I in college, just watching cartoons on your couch. Or With you the
1: random it. brand TV we have got for the apartment, which is kind of nice, actually.
0: TV in college is much better than my TV right now, but that's because I'm cheap and was left up to my own devices and purchased a very cheap TV. Um, That's fair. But yeah, I, we, we, you know, both really, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things that not a lot of people uh, really talk about or uh, necessarily appreciate. So we wanted to to give it its own little spotlight here uh, as just a a really charming uh, classic cartoon uh, that I think paved the way for for a lot of other cartoons that that would come later. Uh, Katie, do you, do you have a, a how, how did you start watching uh, Rockin' like I, I think you started watching when you were younger than I was. Uh,
1: in the same way, the audience has probably picked up that I watched a lot of old cartoons from this era, which was uh, on a tiny uh, car TV on road trips. Car TV. <laughs> the classic. This is a great. I tour. just I made up so much of my life, clearly.
0: So was it just like Schoolhouse Rock and Rocky and Bullwinkle on your little car TV?
1: Yeah, I had less Rocky and Bullwinkle. I think. I feel like we rented it from the library sometimes for road trips because we were that kind of family.
0: Remember renting movies from libraries? That was great.
1: Excuse you, I did that in college. They still do that. Yeah, my whole thesis was really reliant on libraries having old movies from 1960s Czechoslovakia.
0: Right. I do I to, I to went to I went to the
1: them. public library from the really fancy rich town and they had the box set. And I was like, hell yeah. You fancy. I, I will be borrowing this for months. I hope you know. And they were like, that's fine. No one rents these. And I went, yeah, make makes sense, okay. And I had them for months. I mean, I, I don't... I know. had to go to our school library media center and sit in the little cubicle with the DVD player so I could watch them because it was just a pain in my apartment, our DVD player. We didn't have a DVD player for them. I had to bring mine from home. And it didn't even work on our TV. This sounds like... Damn, not Blu-rays.
0: Not memories.
1: Are you saying that uh, the memories of me writing my college thesis might be stressful?
0: Yeah, maybe just a little bit. This is okay. why I didn't do a thesis.
1: Hey, I got picked as a thesis of distinction. It was like me and four other people. So I don't know. Apparently, I wrote a good one. Nerd. And now I do a podcast about cartoons on the internet. Look at me now.
0: Yeah, you but that degree to use. You ended up in the same place as me—a thesisless wonder. Karma. That's the, the moral of this episode, kids, is don't work hard, and it will land you in exactly the same place as your hard-working peers.
1: You know, one day, we'll if we uh, get enough traction from our uh, listeners, we'll talk about the time you scammed our college.
0: I did scam them pretty hard. I feel like we've mentioned that before. Yeah, scam-
1: but we'll actually like do a whole episode dedicated to it. We'll like watch it in live time in the podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really I really want that to be like a recorded thing out on the internet for all the world to know how how well I scammed my university. I'm sure that's not gonna come back to bite me in the butt later in life.
1: We didn't scam them technically. We I, produced the product they asked for.
0: We we did in fact For we,
1: some reason they just trusted us to do it.
0: They they probably shouldn't have trusted us. Um,
1: but like they shouldn't have apparently trusted uh, the 2000 America uh, live-action film of Rocky and Bullwinkle.
0: Segway! Look at that Segway! That's the kind I'm getting of, better! That's the kind of intelligent segue only a person who wrote a college thesis could come up with. <laughs> Thank you. I segued back! I did it backwards!
1: <laughs> so the 2008 American film bombed if you didn't get it from that Segway. Unlike the original show which is also titled The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends. Just a word here. It went here. through
0: a lot of different titles. It, it, didn't, we didn't it have like a lot, a lot of different like versions. Like, wasn't it the Bullwinkle show at one point?
1: It definitely was. And I think I, I had the Bullwinkle show version at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean, the show lasted a long time. Like, well, look, it looks like it went from 1959 to 1973. That's yeah. a long time.
1: Well, the original aired 1959 to 1964. That and there it. were. T- this was the blanket show title mm. for home video releases for more than 40 years after the original series aired. Jeez. That, okay. And I think this whole title wasn't used in the air. You have Rocky and his friends from 1959 to 1961. The Bullwinkle Show from 1961 to
0: 1964. Stole it. They the, stole the show.
1: <laughs> the Rocky and Bullwinkle Show, or sometimes the adventure Rocky and Bullwinkle when it's in syndication. Wow. So Which I also, like- this, this had multiple fractured shows come off of it, because you also have, um, I think Dudley Do-Right gets his own show, and Mr. Peabody and Sherman get their own show, and also a movie in, like, 2014. Yeah.
0: 2016. Uh, before we go much further, I think we should probably explain to the audience uh, what Rocky and Bullwinkle is. Uh, oh, yeah. As as I said before, it is not perhaps the most popular of shows. Uh, I mentioned it actually earlier this week uh, to someone, and they kind of gave me a blank look. Yeah, it's yeah,
1: ra- rated by TV Guide as the sixth greatest television cartoon of all time. Really 13.
0: good. Re- rewatching for this podcast uh, kind of remind me of what a shame it is that I think it's sort of one of those things that is somewhat lost to the ages or is only really talked about if, you know, for people who are, are fairly big cartoon fans. Uh, and even I think among, you know, people who are, you know, big cartoon fans, it, it falls by the wayside. Um, and I think some badges of that is just that the animation, like, looks so bad. Um, it, it's very cheap. It's if, if possible, it looks cheaper even than Hanna-Barbera cartoons of the day. Uh, you know, there's really no backgrounds for the most part. Or if it is, it's like kind of just one solid color. The characters themselves barely move. Uh, it doesn't have the same fast uh, comic pace that like Looney Tunes had. Uh, really, what struck me was how adult it was. Um, so again, just a, a, brief, a brief summary. Uh, two main characters are Bullwinkle the Moose and Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Uh, it's a very loose premise. These are just two characters who go off and have shenanigans together uh, in their in in their town of what's it called, uh, fro- Frostbite f- Frostbite Forest. Is that what their town is? Frost, frostbite falls. Uh, falls. Frostbite Falls. Um, yeah,
1: it, Frostbite you know. Falls. <laughs>
0: It's just like it's a little sleepy town. There's like, you know, they get into shenanigans. Uh Rocky is kind of the intelligent, adventurous type. Uh Bullwinkle is uh basically just Patrick Star, I think is a is a fair uh comparison point. Even their voices sound kind of similar. I wonder if there was some inspiration there. Um so he he's kind of your your you something of an idiot who occasionally you know manages to stumble his way into a victory. Um, usually Rocky is helping him get out of trouble, but they're just two two best friends getting into shenanigans. Uh, the main villains of the series uh, are Boris and Natasha, who are two Russian spies agents. This was big Cold War time. Their
1: uh, their
0: uh, their boss is is named Fearless Leader, and he is another scary Russian dude who is. Sending them on missions, usually to somehow inconvenience or take down Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, so it, it's a very loose premise. Uh, that that in in and of itself, uh, the original series was also, uh, as Katie alluded to before, uh, something of a variety series. Uh, I think obviously the the most clear comparison later would be to Animaniacs. Uh, they had a lot of little segments uh, that would come up. Um, the most famous of which in sort of a similar way to how uh, Pinky and the Brain spun off so successfully uh, is Peabody and Sherman, uh, who I would argue might now even be more popular than than Rocky and Bullwinkle. I feel like I see them parodied more frequently. Um, uh, For those of you who don't know Peabody and Sherman, uh, the basic premise is that there's a, a dog named Mr. Peabody and his human boy Sherman, and they go through various periods of time uh, with the supercomputer called the Wayback Machine, um, again another ref. I know that that's an actual thing now that exists on the internet. So you know, another another yeah. way back at the times. Um, they go back in time and they meet with various uh, historic figures, and they sort of learn about history, but mostly just about having a set in a different time period. Uh, it's not terribly educational. Um, and also, if you watch it on uh, on YouTube, it's a little more racist than you would want it to be. Um, there's like it's it, it as as you would expect from a 1960s show that involves going to various time periods and going to to you know old West Mexico or ancient China or Egypt. There's there's stuff there that hasn't aged particularly well. Um, but it is—it is still entertaining. It's a good formula. It's you know not dissimilar to the brain formula where you have the one super smart character and the other character who's a little bit of a doofus. Uh, Sherman isn't isn't pinky. He's not you know stupid. He's a little boy, so he does you know he just sort of quietly gets things explained to him uh, by by Mr. Peabody. There, honestly, if I if I had to say uh, you know what, I don't think it's a it's a segment that's held up particularly well just because. Uh, you both of them are straight men. Neither, neither Peabody or Sherman are, are terribly funny. The circumstances around them are frequently funny because they're usually a very exaggerated version of historic events, uh, but they themselves, I don't think are terribly funny. Um, I was first introduced to them. They had a cameo on a uh, Simpsons Halloween episode and they were actually pretty funny in that one. Uh, so that, that's, my, that's my main uh, takeaway of, uh, of Peabody and Sherman. Um, and then some other other specials. Uh, Katie mentioned Dudley Do Right, uh, who's a Canadian Mountie who gets into shenanigans uh, with his comically evil villain, Snidely Whiplash. Um, who I, I think everyone has sort of seen this guy. Like he he's you know got the the top hat and big curled handlebar mustache. It's like it's like when you when you think of a of a cartoon villain, you're probably partially thinking of Snidely Whiplash. Um, this is another way that this this show has, uh, you know, made made it into the into the zeitgeist. Uh, interestingly, I have not seen this movie, but checking the IMDb, uh, he was played by Alfred Molina in the Dudley Do movie, movie, um, which came out in 1999 and apparently flopped horribly. Um, but that that seems right for him. I feel like that's that's an accurate character.
1: I will, what I would give to be a uh... Fun Canadian Mountie just going on random adventures.
0: You have Dudley Do-Right energy. I feel I feel like you could... You're You're. you're not as uh, wholesome, though, I think.
1: <laughs> Who you calling not wholesome? I am the best wholesome person any... I'm going to stop now. I'm going to lose this.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure.
1: You know what well, didn't flop for some reason? Even okay. though I really thought it would. The Peabody and Sherman movie that came out in 2014.
0: I haven't seen it i've heard it's quite good my my little cousin who i think was at the time of eight years old was really into it i remember seeing her one summer and she was like all she wanted to talk about was the peabody and sherman movie um which it was nice to see her so enthusiastic um but you know how annoying it is when little kids just want to tell you about a movie you haven't seen and that's all they talk about it It was
1: certified fresh
0: what would it get 81
1: percent and 73% audience score.
0: I mean, 81% on Rotten Tomatoes for any animated movie, I feel like, is a really excellent score.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty decent score, because usually uh, people don't like animated things as much.
0: And especially things that are, like, reboots of an old and somewhat beloved property, getting, you know, revamped for the modern era and CG. I feel like there's just an inherent prejudice against that kind of stuff. Um, so good good for it. I mean, we'll have to watch it at some point for the pod. Yeah. Um, because that, that sounds... That sounds pretty good. Um, uh, other other short segments, uh, Aesop and Son uh, is pretty amusing. Uh, I think again, you know, to, to compare to Animaniacs, uh, it sort of fulfills the same purpose as the Wheel of Morality. Uh, you, it's a it's a short it's a little short sketch uh, where Aesop tells a fable. Um, you know, it's it's usually something silly with animals uh and then he draws from it you know the conclusion that you would think you would draw from it you know some reasonable moral you know you know united we stand divided we fall stuff like that uh and then his little little brat of a son comes in and he gives like a more literal and kind of like rebellious and boisterous message so like for example if it was like the united we stand divided we fall uh classic aesop story about you know piling sticks together uh, maybe Aesop's Sud would then say something like, "You know, oh yeah, the, the the moral is: if you have a bunch of sticks, you should hit the guy who's trying to attack you with it, or something." Um, I don't know. It's it's I, I I can't think of a specific one off the top of my head, but that's the the gist of the segment is that you get you get the correct moral and then you
1: get the rude moral.
0: Um,
1: Thank you for putting one together for us on the fly, though. <laughs>
0: You know what? I think that was pretty good for a moral I just came up with off the top of my head using the one ASOP fable I can currently remember because I have two brain cells going right now.
1: Um, wow. Two. Impressive.
0: I know. It's a really good day for me.
1: I've yeah. Usually days. you have like 0.
0: 0.5. No. It's weird. I don't like this. There's too much noise in my head as they rattle around.
1: Spongebob's are just screaming in there.
0: Um, but yeah. And then, and then I think they had some more like one-off segments, but I think those were those were sort of the main ones. Um, you had some like little bits where, like, you know, uh, Bullwinkle would like read a poem. You know, not again similar DOS poetry corner. I, I feel like there's a lot. Um, there's a, there's a lot here uh, that that Animaniacs later, uh, if, you know, not stole but were influenced by and and then perhaps expanded upon. Um, but uh, yeah, it's there's they, there's some some real fun variety here. I like a good variety show format, uh, and Rocky and Bullwinkle I think did a good job at it. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I think there's some some real vaudeville influence in a lot, a lot of the jokes are there's a lot of wordplay, a lot of puns, um, which is you know again more more common than old school. Uh, it, I mean, does like I said doesn't rely on it much of the animation. There's the occasional sight gag, but mostly they are very slow moving, the backgrounds are just flat planes. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's as basic as you could possibly get. Uh, and it kind of just leave me wondering, you know, I, I mentioned before it was adult. It's not necessarily adult in the, you know, good night everybody on a maniac way. It's more like the style of comedy, I think, is... That sort of more slow-moving absurdism that I mm-hmm. sort of associate with like Monty Python more so than anything. Um, that I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if a, a small child would be entertained in the same way that would be entertained by something like animated movie movies.
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah,
0: but you I were feel- a small child at the time. So what? What did you think of it as a kid?
1: I was very easily entertained on long car rides. It's the important thing. It, I will say it's one of those things I watch that doesn't stick with me quite as aggressively as some of the others. Mm. I owned a lot of things for DVDs, for car rides. God, I'm a Midwesterner. <laughs> yeah. And like Schoolhouse Rock sticks with you, I think, just because some things are so catchy. Um, right. Yeah, I
0: don't have any musical numbers that I recall. No.
1: Like the Super Mario Bros. shows and Legend of Zelda stuck with me because they were oh so bad and also our favorite video games that we would be playing in the car. Um, Then later you got into Star Wars and all that stuff. So I think Rocky and Bullwinkle kind of got overshadowed. We also had a lot of Spongebob on DVD and you saw how well that one stuck in my head. So I think everything's been overshadowed. Yeah, it's a good kind of fun variety show.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's a good subtle watch. I think if, you know, it, yeah, it's going to tend to be overshadowed by all those other things that you mentioned. And, you know, perhaps it doesn't super hold up um, in terms of like, the speed and the the wit that we necessarily expect uh, from modern animation. Uh, but there's like, it is like a, kind of a fun laid-backness to it. You know, you kind of get the sense these two characters are you know, living in their own world and we're just sort of peering in on them. They're not... Putting on a show for us, the thing where, like the Animaniacs, kind of always feel like they're putting on a show. Uh, it's 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 almost relaxing, honestly, to watch, uh, which is pretty fun. Um,
1: are you I, Rocky or are you Bullwinkle?
0: You mean in, in, in our relationship?
1: I'm asking who you think you are. Yes,
0: I think I am. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of identify with how like constantly high strung Rocky is. Like fair.
1: If the audience could see us now, how we're sitting as we record this podcast, I think they would agree.
0: Sitting, I'm standing.
1: Yeah, you're standing, and I'm lounging in my chair. Feet up.
0: Honestly, I feel like there isn't a great comparison point with the two of us with Rocky and Bullwinkle, because neither of us is Bullwinkle. Like no. You, I think you and I both share some Rocky qualities. um, Yeah. As befits our Rocky relationship.
1: Uh. (laughs) Oh, that was bad. One, two brain
0: cells, Katie. Two. One, two. Count them.
1: That was a joke for one brain cell.
0: Oh no, the one brain cell must have died. Well, before. All
1: right.
0: Sh- <laughs> I, you go. <laughs>
1: Should we talk about the reboot before we get even further off the track of this podcast?
0: Yes, uh, let's quickly first talk about the uh, the 2000 uh, live oh, yeah, yeah. slash CG animated movie, which was by all accounts a horror show. Haven't seen it, seen some clips. Uh, as bad as the animation was in the 1960s, uh, early 2000 CG done fairly cheap uh, in a kind of a weird cash grab movie uh, is worse. They're all very weird and bulgy and smooth. Uh, it's not a good look on them. Um, However, uh, Robert De Niro uh, is in it, so that's a thing.
1: I'm sorry, I have read the first paragraph. The first paragraph of this movie's plot summary on Wikipedia. And I have to submit everyone to this. Okay, go for it. And Rocky and Bo... Rocky the Squareland, Bo Winkle J Moose, Live a melancholic life 36 years after their television series was cancelled. Their animated home, Frostbite Falls, is deforested. Rocky can no longer fly, and their show's unseen narrator lives with his mother. Meanwhile, their arch enemies, fearless leader Boris Badanov and Natasha Fatal, have, have all lost power in pl- pl- Potsylvania. There we go. Well, in the end of the Cold War. They escape by tunneling, a, tunneling to a Hollywood film studio where they trick executive Minnie Mogul, I have no idea what that could be that they're referencing, into signing a rights contract to their series and green lighting a potential movie, dragging the villains out of the animated world and transforming them into live action characters. Excuse me, what the hell?
0: Okay, I'm a little frustrated that apparently they somehow managed to really screw up this movie because I love how uh, meta and self-referential that opening is. I mean, it sounds bonkers as hell, but like, I kind of want to see where they're going with it.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. They are given the CDI, computer-degenerating imagery, a laptop-like weapon that can trap cartoon characters within the internet. (laughs) The truck's stolen by a woman named Karen who's arrested by Oklahoma State Police.
0: (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Later uh, in the thing, uh, Karen reunites Rocky and Bullwinkle, but the trio are arrested again by numerous state troopers. This time in Chicago. They are trialed for numerous misdemeanors, but the judge has the charges dropped upon recognizing Rocky and Bullwinkle, informing the district attorney that celebrities are above the law.
1: What the heck? Also, they're from numerous misdemeanors in California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. And as far as I'm aware about law, and I don't know a lot sometimes, but I know a decent amount, you have to be tried in the different states for each misdemeanor you commit in that state. Yeah, this it's not a felony. So it's not if this is a misdemeanor, it's based on state law. So this makes no sense. All right. Uh, I mean they I mean, crash-land the plane outside the White House in Washington, DC, and find the president brainwashed by the RVTV programs, which Bullwinkle is immune to due to his natural stupidity. I see, I can like
0: think in my head how like this could have gone so horribly wrong. And I honestly think maybe they just needed to wait a few more years for the technology to improve and make it not look so horrifying. Because uh, this seems kind of delightful, like it seems like the kind of self-referential, silly nonsense that would have worked perfectly for Rocky and Bullwinkle. Because Rocky and Bullwinkle is inherently was a little bit fourth wall breaking. They had a narrator for every episode, um, you know, who do the big dramatic narrator voice that will Rocky get out of this one kind of thing, and it would they would sort of poke fun at the fact that they were just a TV show. Uh, so it, would, it makes sense that this is the direction they would go in. it sounds like they, they probably uh, put, put some real effort into it. It's probably made by people who, who actually cared about it. Uh, interesting, it looks like they got some of the original cast back, which is surprising given it was like 40 years later, uh, including Juna Foray uh, as Rocky, um, who is, you, you know her from everything. Um, she, she did Looney Tunes, she did Hanna-Barbera. Uh, she Disney, you know, she, she was an incredibly prolific voice actress and doesn't get a lot of credit because we tend to mostly spotlight the male voice actors, which thanks. Uh.
1: There's,
0: a great, there's a great quote on her on her Wikipedia page from Chuck Jones uh, who said, June Foray is not the female Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc was the male June Foray. Uh, which, good on you Chuck Jones. That's a, that's a nice thing to say about, about
1: her. Also, they have a pretty decent number of really good comedians in this cast because they have Keenan thompson they have uh, Tra- uh p henson they have whoopi goldberg in here wow
0: i feel like traj P Hansen wasn't like even huge back then so that's no a,
1: that's a, like that one of her earlier roles it must have been yeah, breakthrough like, was in two thousand and one, I guess, but according to quick Wikipedia, the but med- yeah,
0: B- Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg were uncredited in it. Yeah. Jeez, Okay. I mean, it should have been good. That's really just oh, they did yeah, it K- to her. Eden and Kel were in it. And yeah, two thousand, so they were like right off that right off that Goodburger high. <laughs> yeah man they they had a cast i i I mentioned robert de niro who's fearless leader but i don't know if i mentioned jason alexander as boris and renee russo as natasha um both two actors who were in the year 2000 very much at the top of their prime like
1: what the heck this film had a budget of 76 million dollars
0: dude adjusted for inflation that's incredible that's that's
1: That's a wild amount of money
0: that's more than Hotel Transylvania. Hotel Transylvania Four has got seventy-five. I know because I just looked it up because it's coming out next week. Um, but and that's twenty years, twenty-two years later.
1: Uh, Seventy-six is crazy for animation, especially then.
0: Yeah, that's really. We might have to watch this, Katie, because I think, I think we do. We're both. I mean, I've seen like a few clips on YouTube. It looks pretty bad. Um, but I, I think I need to like give it more of a shot than just like looking at it briefly like i this seems like it might actually have been kind of fun
1: it grossed Um, only 35 million out of that budget
0: which is i mean i I assume it's because the trailer probably looked bad because like that was kind of i was like turned off by the way it looked um and you know coming out of the disney renaissance and you know with you know, Shrek was one year away. You know, Iron Giant had just come out. Like, there was so much great animation happening that if you saw something look like this, I can kind of get it. You know, and again, it's for a property that I think has probably always been a certain degree of underrated. Um, so I could see it maybe not drawing the hugest of of young crowds. Um, well, that's frustrating. Um, why, why don't we Why don't we move on then to something we have watched? uh at least uh, some of it I, I haven't watched all of it um but the 2018 uh, reboot uh from dreamworks that is uh on amazon prime if you want to look um so this removed the variety show element from rocky and bullwinkle i think it was the first obvious change uh instead of it being a bunch of short segments for 20 minutes it's instead uh one full uh 20 minute episode of rocky and bullwinkle shenanigans which is unbroken up by by other things um, and actually, there's quite a good amount of serialization. Uh, there's like five episodes in an arc, uh, and then the story progresses from, from one episode to another uh, with the narrator giving you know, recaps and, and moving the story along. Um, this was pretty delightful. I, I genuinely really liked it. I, I appreciated that as a reboot, it wasn't really necessarily trying to capture the same energy of the old one. Uh, I think they, they kept a lot of what makes it work. They've kept a lot of the wordplay. play. Uh, they've kept a lot of the more absurdist humor, um, but they do, the animation is much better. Uh, it's much faster moving. It's still not, you know, Looney tunes pace because that just wouldn't be true to who these characters are. Um, but there's definitely, they have to go to more locations, they do more things, they have more shenanigans. The, the scale and the scope is definitely uh, increased and the stakes are higher. Uh, it just makes for a very fun little adventure show. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It's not anything groundbreaking, but it was cute and fun.
1: It was, enjoy, yeah, it was enjoyable. The animation was pretty nice in terms of the stylization for it. It was a solid voice acting cast.
0: Yeah, got tara strong in as as uh rocky uh, i honestly actually don't really like tara strong's take on the character um yeah i hate to say because like i love tara strong uh, but she might have just not been the right choice for rocky um when when uh when june foray was doing it it was you know a very a very high pitched like it sounded like a squirrel voice uh tara i think is maybe trying to make sound more like a boy and you know kind of pitches it down it sounds like she's, sounds like she's kind of doing her timmy turner uh but it's a little more gravelly. um i just find it a little less charming um
1: yeah it wasn't like the best but
0: um mm. it's, not, it's not terrible i mean it's still, it's no. still strong i mean she's still yeah. gonna be doing basically everything she does uh so that that's not uh that's not a problem
1: But <laughs> overall, i remember it being enjoyable i think we watched mostly the first arc and a little bit after
0: yeah I think we watched the first two arcs um
1: yeah it was enjoyable it wasn't one of those that you were dying to watch the whole thing of course really quickly
0: no and I and I think in a way though that also kind of captures the spirit of Rocky and Bullwinkle like I said that kind of laid-backness there wasn't it none of there was right there was no urgency of oh, you got to watch the next episode to find out what happens. It's like, you know, you'll get to it when you get to it. And it will, it will be there when, when you go and it will be enjoyable. Uh, I just rewatched a few episodes uh, to sort of remind myself of what the tone was. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just a, a, a good, a fun time. You got a lot of little good gags. Some of the gags work better than others, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard, um, which I know like, oh, sounds like I'm insulting it by saying, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's not trying hard. Um... But it's, it's, it's more that it just like it has that laid-back attitude of, yeah, maybe this is a dumb joke, maybe it's not. You know, submit it for your approval or not, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. You'll never know.
0: Well, you'll never know because like, we don't care because they weren't there. There's no like really like big pause. Like, did you get that audience? Are you going to laugh? Like there's no because there's really no big laughs. It's a lot of little laughs, which yeah, again, it's refreshing. It's kind of refreshing. This is not a some some I, I will say sometimes watching Animaniacs. Uh, it's tiring. It's you know, it's it, whenever we there's a new season that comes out and, and we binge it. Uh, it's a pretty exhausting binge because there's just a lot happening at once. Um, But Rocky and Bullwinkle, I feel like, is the kind of show that you could just kind of, you know, watch it for a long period of time, and you're really not that taxed by it, you know, in a a good or a bad way. Um, Just kind of a a chill experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, that checks out.
0: Well, that that sort of brings us up to the present of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, The rights are currently owned by DreamWorks, uh, so if they ever choose to make another movie i know they made you you mentioned uh, before we started they made a, a short film uh in 2014 which i maybe was that supposed to be on like the peabody and sherman it, it went
1: before peabody and sherman
0: that makes sense um so uh there's that and maybe one day they'll make a movie out of it i mean they have the rights so i would
1: not be surprised
0: they might have one in the works right now um that would be, i mean i would have
1: been surprised if it was an idea and then they'll see Rocky and Bullwinkle's new show didn't get great reviews overall. Mm -hmm. So they didn't do, they only did one season. So it might've been one of those things that were like, let's see how the TV show goes and maybe we'll make a movie. And then they went, I see we're not getting a lot of money out of this. Oh no.
0: That's fair. And I, you know what? I I think it's, it's one of those things. I think it was probably, we didn't even realize it was around until we were like scrolling through Amazon, like mindlessly. And we just like saw it and we're like, Oh my God, we got to watch this. We love Peabody and Sherman. Um, so I, I feel like it was it probably didn't receive the kind of marketing that maybe it would have needed to be a hit if it ever was going to be. Um, I don't know. Maybe Rocky and Bullwinkle is one of those things that's sort of just always gonna be like that sort of quietly popular thing that some people just really enjoy and we know about. Uh, and maybe that maybe that is its curse in life. But it will it will always be be a, a little bit of a dog.
1: It's doing its best.
0: Doing its best, darn it! Yeah, I, 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 I would be up for seeing. You know, it's now been twenty-two years. Uh, God help us all. Uh, since since two thousand, when they made their last attempt at a movie, um, so
1: you just a full body shudder. That was interesting to watch. Um, I had I had a muscle spasm right after you said that. Oh, okay. was like, it was comedic timing that We're, the audience couldn't see.
0: Right, it was very community timing for me. So I was amused at least.
1: Um you reminded me that I'm almost 24.
0: Yeah, we both are. I hate that. Um well almost is a strong word. We're both bored of like what? 10 months, get over yourself.
1: Yeah, we're <laughs> not even we're not even 23.5.
0: We're not. So don't 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 prematurely age us, Katie, please.
1: You don't on a midlife crisis yet?
0: Look, we're already on our podcast talking about a show from <laughs> That doesn't age us. I don't know what will.
1: (laughs) We're midlife crisising ourselves (laughs) on this podcast. That's episode fifty.
0: This is an old show. We are old people talking about our old cartoons.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Get off my lawn, you kids.
0: Well, I I won't get off your lawn, uh, but we will get back into our cartoon time machine to wrap up this episode. Uh, Is there a time
1: machine? Get a lawn.
0: Our time machine is currently parked on some guy's lawn and he is he is not pleased uh, because it does have quite a footprint uh and we're definitely trampling his petunias right now so we should oh no we should probably move
1: i need to me. stop letting you park this thing
0: i'm not good at parking okay this is known you know this
1: it's the lack of spatial awareness
0: i don't have great spatial awareness a very serious medical condition that i can't get a doctor's note for <laughs> All right, well, we're, we'll, we'll, call, we'll call it then unless we have anything, anything else to add to the conversation.
1: Nope, let's just get in the time machine. Let's wrap it up. All we right. gotta go. We,
0: we are gonna, we're gonna pop back into our cartoon time machine. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are your animates. I am Scarlett,
1: And I'm Katie.
0: And we will see you next time.